live and local. This is the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Open for the end zone. It's a Saints touchdown. It's time for two hours of the best sports talk on the airwaves. Here's your host, the Blonde Bomber, Jordy Holtberg. Oh, good afternoon. How gorgeous of a day is it today, Wednesday, January 4th, the year 2023. We've coined it. It's one of those Chamber of Commerce days. And after what we've been through for what seems like an eternity, how welcome is that? Man, it's great to be with you, my main man, James Mesh, back in the Master Control Suite. In the game studios, which are on the campus of Delta Media, which houses KLWB, which is 1037 Lafayette. We're also on 1041 FM in Lake Charles. Streaming everywhere, 1037thegame.com, 1041thegame.com. And if you're in the Acadiana area, you can pop on your television set because we're simulcast on Stadium 32.3 and 133 on LUS Fiber. Did you miss the headlines of the day? Not to worry. The Blonde Bomber has you covered. Here is Holtberg's headlines. You know what the old cliche is, no such thing as a moral victory. True. Very true. But, man, if you watched LSU basketball play last night against Kentucky, you got to feel a lot better about this team and this coach. Uh, they gave everything they had and gave Kentucky all they wanted and then some. The Wildcats held on late to win it 74-71. Um, it was a matchup of two of the premier bigs in the conference. Uh, Oscar Shibway did his part as the reigning NCAA College Basketball Player of the Year. Uh, 19 points on 7 of 9 shooting to go along with 16 rebounds, seven of them on the offensive side. K.J. Williams led LSU with 23. He was four for six from downtown, only three rebounds, but he got a lot of help. Adam Miller Miller, uh, took 15 shots. 13 of them were from behind the arc. He made five of them. He had 15 points. Cam Hayes had 11. And one of my favorite players out there, Trey Hannibal, number zero, Uh, Had 12 points in 29 minutes on five of six shooting, two for four from the free throw line. Uh, It's feast or famine. He had four assists, but he also had four turnovers. But but he's fun to watch. Uh, Kentucky built the lead by as many as 10 in the second half. But LSU battled back, uh, went on an eight zip run, cut it to two. And uh, it it remained close the rest of the way. So, um, again, it goes as a loss, but, man, there's a lot of positives to take away from it. Uh, chemistry, it looks like they're together. Um, if The key is going to be Miller. If he can just get more consistent from outside and scoring, then this team will be okay. They'll be okay. Um, up next for LSU, another road game. This time the Tigers will take on Texas A&M 5 p.m. on Saturday Tigers are one up and one down. The Aggies have yet to play an SEC game, but they will get that done uh, starting tonight. Elsewhere in the league, 
Uh, Tennessee, no trouble, built up a 24-point halftime lead and ended up beating Mississippi State by 34. What a blowout for that one. Vanderbilt gets their first win in the conference with an 84-79 win over South Carolina. And uh, Alabama, as strong as can be, had a 21-point lead at the half, built it up by one more point. They beat Ole Miss 84-62. to That was the SEC uh, last night. We've got some games tonight, as I mentioned. It will be um, Auburn at Georgia. Texas A&M is at Florida. And in the best matchup of the night, 20th-ranked Missouri taking on 13th-ranked Arkansas at Bud Walton Arena. So we'll find out a little bit more about this conference as it goes on. Uh, the Buffalo Bills are saying that DeMar Hamlin is showing signs of improvement. Um, remains hospitalized in critical condition, but uh, observations Tuesday and overnight into Wednesday showed signs of improvement. He is expected to remain under intensive care as his health care team continues to monitor and treat him. Um yeah, so this is less than two days after he went into cardiac arrest on the field against the Bills uh, in the Bills game against the Cincinnati Bengals. So uh, stay tuned uh, for that as the days go on. Um, a report out of College Station, Texas. Oh, my goodness gracious sakes alive. Uh, Texas A&M is finalizing a deal to hire Bobby Petrino as the offensive coordinator, he's going to take over play calling duties from Aggies coach Jimbo Fisher. Uh, Petrino most recently served as the head coach at FCS Missouri State from 2020 through this past season, was hired as the offensive coordinator at UNLV in December of 2022. Uh, but that's going to be it. He's coming to Texas A&M. He's produced numerous successful quarterbacks during his time as a head coach. Most recently, 2016 Heisman Trophy winner, Lamar Jackson. Um, so he will team up with former five-star recruit Connor Weigman at quarterback, uh, who came on late in the second half of the season. Jimbo, uh, Jimbo Fisher trying to uh, save his job, but at what cost? Petrino does not come with the greatest reputations. <laughs> but um, I'm sure they have vetted him quite handily, and they believe that Bobby Petrino can can certainly help them. So, so we we shall see. We shall see. Um, meanwhile, LSU punter Jay Bramlett announced today that he is coming back. Said it's about most fun he's ever had playing football. He's coming back for another season as the punter of LSU. While on the flip side of things, um, LSU is losing, reportedly, freshman inside linebacker Demario Tolan, who, according to multiple reports, entered the NCAA transfer portal today. Uh, he worked his way into the linebacker rotation in the second half of the season. Brian Kelly spoke highly about his future, saying, quote, um, as late as November the 10th, don't forget that name. You're going to have a combination of Tolan 
and Perkins that I couldn't be more excited about. Something has happened between then and now. Tolan finished the year with 10 tackles and two quarterback hurries. Uh, He didn't play in the Citrus Bowl after appearing in every game since the season opener. He was still coming off back surgery last summer. Why he didn't play in the Citrus Bowl? Who knows? Who knows? So, um, leaves a linebacker group a little thin, to say the least. With Tolan's departure, West Weeks is the only other scholarship linebacker returning next season after freshman Colby Fields entered the transfer portal and senior Mike Jones finished his career. So we'll see. Uh, The portal? Mm, Maybe open. Um, Tolan became the 14th LSU player to enter the transfer portal since a 45-day window opened December the 5th. Two of them, former linebackers Philip Webb and Antoine Sampa, were not on the team this season. Players, of course, can withdraw their name from the transfer portal and return to their original school, so keep an eye out on that one. LSU baseball, not that far off, um, and boy, they'll be ranked the number one preseason team in the country. They got four players that have been named to the D1Baseball.com top 100 impact transfers. Their list came out today. LSU sophomore third baseman Tommy White is number one on the list. Junior right-handed pitcher utility player Paul Skennis is number two. Sophomore right-handed pitcher Thatcher Hurd is number seven. Junior right-handed pitcher Christian Lake is number 29. So Jake Johnson hitting the portal hitting it hard and coming up with some big names with big um, expectations uh, from them, to say the least. The New Orleans Pelicans get back in action tonight against the Houston Rockets. Uh, No, no Zion Williamson, uh, no Brandon Ingram. Uh, Zion with a hamstring pull uh, out three weeks, minimum three weeks before they will reevaluate him um, and see where he can go from there. How the, now it's just time for the Pels to kind of tread water and see what they can do. Uh, how long it is until Brandon Ingram comes back? Uh, your guess is as good as mine. So a lot on the injury front that seems to always happen. The New Orleans has a 6-2 and two record without Zion this year. Its record without Brandon Ingram is 14-8. and eight. Uh, Ingram has in place and suffering a left toe contusion on November 25th, uh, an injury that's cost him almost one quarter of the season. He's missed 18 straight games. Um, so we shall see. Both players have struggled to remain healthy in the past two seasons. So more and more stress is being put on the depth of this of this squad. Um, Pell's right now 23 and 14. They're in third place in the Western Conference, one game behind first place Denver, yet only three and a half games ahead of the ninth place Golden State Warriors, who have won five in a row. So Houston's a team that you know you can't take anybody for granted. Um but they're a team at the bottom of the barrel. They're looking for Victor Wembayaya, the big 7-4 Frenchman, maybe to salvage 
their their franchise if they can get the number one pick. But they've got the Rockets at home and then the red hot Brooklyn Nets before they embark on a five game road trip. They have eleven games in the next three weeks, seven of which are on the road. So the games are spread out a little bit, but they're not going to have Zion and in all likelihood will not have Brandon Ingram. Those are your headlines of the day. Our guest list, um, Ali Cassell joins us at around 2.30. We'll talk about the Pels. Uh, and then Mike Huguenin will join us at hour number two. Hump Day with Huguenin. We'll talk about the bowl games. We'll talk about the national championship matchup between Georgia and TCU coming up on Monday. There's your guest list for the day. We'll take our first time out of the day. We'll come back with more stuff when we return here to the Jordy Heltberg Show on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. You're home for the LSU Tigers and the World Series champion, Houston Astros. Tune in every weekday at 8.15 a.m. and 3.15 p.m. for the LSU Sports Update, presented by Tibbs Trailers here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. And welcome back, uh, boys and girls, children, ladies and gentlemen of all ages. We welcome you back on this beautiful Wednesday, January the 4th. Um, one day prior to a very, very special time for McNeese State University. Um, one of the, their, their greatest player, an NBA great, Joe Dumars, will make his return to Lake Charles January the 5th, tomorrow. Very special day. The Cowboys will host Northwestern State for Joe Dumars Day at the Legacy Center. Prior to the tip-off, a special ceremony will take place to officially unveil the naming of Joe Dumars Court. So deserving. He played for the Cowboys from, oh, let's see, 82 to 85, was named the 1985 Southland Conference Player of the Year, just one of three players in the 60-year history of the league to be named first team all Southland Conference all four seasons. Led the league in scoring at 84 and 85, 2,607 career points. That tops the McNeese record book still to this day, ranks second all-time in the Southland, and this was all before the three-point line was established. And then we all remember and, and you know, his NBA career selected um, in the first round of the 85 NBA draft as the 18th overall pick by the Detroit Pistons, where he played his enti- entire career for 14 seasons, won two NBA championships in 89 and 90, was voted the 1989 finals MVP, averaging 27.3 points per game for the bad boys as the Pistons swept the LA Lakers in four games. Selected to the All-Star team six times, the All-Defensive first team four times. Um, He was the first recipient of the NBA Sportsmanship Award, which has since been named the Joe Dumars Award. Um, he, he He just meant everything, and not a classier, not a more humble human being that I've ever met. And I consider Joe a near uh, and dear friend. 
and I, I'm so thrilled for him. We've got some sound from Joe. Um, first, his first reaction to the news that he was going to have the court named after him. You know, I had a great dinner in Las Vegas during the summer at the NBA Summer League, and that's when he first brought it up. And I just told him how much I appreciated if we ended up doing this, how much I appreciated it. I, I, I take nothing for granted, anything. And I, I think I said this to Heath, anything that um, someone does for me or in honor of me, uh, I know they don't have to. And uh, so uh, very grateful, very thankful, and very appreciative uh, for this. And I, and I conveyed that to Heath uh, at dinner in Las Vegas in July sometime. He, um, I remember, true story, LSU had one spot available in its recruiting class, and Dale Brown needed a guard. And it came down to two players, Joe Dumars and Derek Taylor. And I remember Coach Brown saying, I love both of you guys. Whoever commits first gets it. Derek Taylor made the phone call. Five minutes later, Joe Dumars made the phone call. I was like, Coach, any way you can make room for both? I mean, come on. These guys can play. Any way you can do it. He said, I can't. I've already got the full. All my scholarships are done, taken. I can't do it. I'm not going to take a scholarship away from somebody just to add somebody else. Derek Taylor ended up being a great player at LSU. Joe Dumars became a great player at McNeese and a great player in the NBA. He honed his skills as a kid at McNeese. And here's Joe talking about those early days. How ironic, right? So I saw that and I, and I thought about it. I stopped and thought about it for a second. Um, from probably the age of 13 to about 17, for those four years, uh, when you talk about honing my skills, I did it on Northwestern's campus. <laughs> you <Wow>. know, <laughs> I played with those guys when I was in high school. Uh, their, 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 their players at Northwestern, they allowed me to come up and play pickup with them all the time. So I spent uh, three or four straight years at Prather Coliseum uh, at Northwestern I mean, I just nonstop. I was on that campus almost every day. And so it is very ironic that that's where I honed my skills. But uh, but I obviously end up, you know, my career being at McNeese, and I loved it. What was Northwestern State thinking? Come on, Demons. What were you thinking? Um, Joe, what's it going to be like to be back in Lake Charles and to step onto your floor officially? Yeah, that's, that's uh, it's, you know, I'm looking forward to it. It should be awesome. My wife and two kids are coming down with me. We're going to fly down um, Wednesday. And um, and they're they're happy and excited about it, too. As you know, my wife is from Lake Charles, went to St. Louis High School, and McNeese grad as well. So uh, she's excited. But my two kids are. My kids are born and raised here in Detroit. And coming to, going back to Louisiana for them is always uh, kind of exciting. They're, they're not from there, but everything about their life is connected to Louisiana. So it's they're looking forward to it too. All right, Joe. Um, 
very successful career, very successful post-NBA playing career as a, a GM. Uh, and somebody asked a smart question. If you want a relationship with the team more now with your name on the court. I would answer that the same way that um, I answered Matt's question about my relationship with Heath. I want to do it if it's organic, if it's if it's not forced. Uh, I would never force myself or my opinions on anyone else. And I am uh, as open to helping McNeese basketball as anyone. And so I would be be happy to be involved if Heath and everyone else thought that I could help. Uh, I'd love to be a resource uh, to help in any way I can, Jim. So uh, I'm, I'm wide open to it. Well, um, Joe Dumar's day tomorrow at the Legacy Center. He's not going to believe what that building looks like, what that arena is like. And it's so ironic that he will be host, will be playing. Uh, McNeese will be playing against Northwestern State, where, as he said, he played pickup games all the time, was on that campus all the time, was at Prather Coliseum all the time. Uh, and somehow, some way, he ended up at McNeese. Good for him. True story about LSU. Derek Taylor, Joe Dumars, both really good players. Really, really good. Joe just ended up being a great NBA player. Uh, Derek went and played overseas, but he was a terrific point guard for LSU, and uh, they won a lot of games with him, uh, bringing bringing the ball down the court and shooting and passing and doing all that. So uh, pretty darn good. Pretty darn good. Uh, So congratulations, Joe. He's flying as we speak, so... Um, we'll let him enjoy his time uh, with his family uh, and reminiscing about those days at McNeese. But uh, he's in for he's in for a fun time and a very well-deserved moment in time for him. Yeah. Um, no question about it. So congratulations. I'm thrilled. I'm thrilled for him. All right. We'll take a quick time out here uh, when we come back. The Pels without. Zion, without Brandon Ingram, can they keep this ship afloat? Is the depth that good to make up for a little over 50 points a night from those two that's not going to be there? Can they do it? Can they stay afloat? We'll talk about that with Ali Cassell from At The Bird Rights when we return to this hump day edition of the Jordy Heltberg Show. On the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, your home for the LSU Tigers and the World Series champion, Houston Astros. Every day is a Chamber of Commerce kind of day when you're listening to the Jordy Holberg Show. This is the game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros in Southwest Louisiana. Uh, we are back at um, 32 minutes after the hour, the Jordy Hultberg Show, uh, NBA time. The Pels are back in action tonight inside the friendly confines of the Smoothie King Center where they're 16-4 and four overall this season. They'll take on the dead last in the Western Conference, Houston Rockets. Uh, it's Victor Wembaia's uh, 19th birthday today, and the, uh, the, the Rockets would love nothing more than to have another 7'4", player in their franchise remember they had ralph sampson back in the day uh they they, they'd like to have victor on their team 
Um, and the Rockets come in at 10 and 27. The Pels, after losing two straight, drop from the number one seed to the number three seed. It doesn't really matter. Stay in the top four. That's all you really want. But they're just one game behind the Denver Nuggets, uh, three and a half games ahead of the ninth seed Golden State Warriors. Let's sort it all out. Ali Cassell from At The Bird writes, kind enough to join us. Ali, another game day, buddy. How are you? I'm doing great, Jordy. How's your new year been so far? It's been pretty darn good, um, to say the least. I mean, look, LSU football won Tulane with the most incredible win. The Saints won. Mm-hmm. we got to get the Pels back in the flow of things. They've lost two in a row, but they're back home. But as seems to always be the case, shorthanded yet again. What's what's the latest on Zion? And three weeks, really? Yeah, that was unfortunate for anybody that was watching that game against the Philadelphia 76ers. You saw him towards the end of that third quarter dribbling the ball at the court in the transition, and all of a sudden he kind of pulled up lame, hobbling. Quickly dished the ball out. We didn't see him again for the rest of the game, and, of course, news came, hamstring strain. So three weeks seems about right, Jordy. I mean, think about okay. how those can linger, right? And we've seen Devin Booker, for instance. He, he's been dealing that with that on and off this year, and he came back against the Pelicans. Now he's in the midst of, I think, missing at least a month. Paul George just strained his uh, the other night. He's probably going to miss some games. So when it comes to hamstrings, you just don't really know, right, for how long. Right. But you don't want to come back too soon. That's the thing. So you're right. It is It is unfortunate, though. The Pels were in a nice groove, weren't they? Zion comes back yeah. um, with a vengeance after he missed some time. And even after COVID, he still showed no, you know, no slippage of play carrying the Pelicans. And looking like an all-NBA type of player. But now, you know, the Pels are going to have to figure it out without him. Thankfully, they've got the depth, right? They're 4-1 they're and one without either B.I. or Zion. So they're going to rely on that. Willie Green's going to have to figure something out. But it, it's, it's good. This first game without Zion is going to be at home against Houston, yeah. who's only won once in the last 10 games. Right, right. they got 11 games in the next three weeks. Um, when you take out... Yeah. Zion's 26, 27 points. Brandon Ingram's 25, 26 points. That's a lot of, that's a lot of points to make up for. Um, I know they're going to do it by committee, but um, who do you think is capable of coming up on a consistent basis with numbers to help this team get wins? Yeah, fortunately, Jordy, I feel like they can make some committees. <laughs> because if you look yeah. over just – those five games that Z and B.I. missed, well, you knew C.J. was going to step up. Same thing with Jonas. C.J. about 22 points a game, almost 10 assists a game. Jonas, as usual, double-double. But it's been Trey Murphy and Najee Marshall that have stood out. And Trey's been at about 18 points per game. Najee about 16.5 without B.I. and Zion. So they've been playing really darn well, whether those guys have been playing or not. And they seem to step up. That, that's the biggest key, right? We've noticed with some of these role players the Pelicans have that no matter what their role is on a given night, that they can give you a little bit of what's needed or a whole lot more. So I think we're going to be just fine if that outside ball, that outside three-point shot is going down. Because that's going to be, let's face it, the name of the game. You're suddenly missing Zion's bull rushing ways to the rim, through the lane. And so all those points are gone. And you have to be able to keep the defenses honest enough just by making some outside shots. So that'll be the key. But like I said, Trey's been spectacular really all season. But he's really stepped up. So he's my number one that I'm looking at tonight. Got to get this win tonight because all of a sudden, um, Friday you host the Brooklyn Nets. Uh, yeah. They've won 12 in a row. I don't know if they play. I'm sure they play prior to 
um, the the Pels on Friday, but they've won 12 in a row. Then you've got to go to Dallas where the, the Pels hardly ever win in Dallas. Hardly ever. Um, it, it's something about the building. I don't know what it is. It's just some matchups. They hardly ever win there. You, you can beat the Wizards in Washington, but then you got to go uh, into Boston to take on the Celtics. You got the Pistons and you got the Cavaliers. So you got, you know, of those five road games coming up, uh, look, let's say they split the next two. Let's say the Nets come in and 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 win. Um, mm-hmm. Boy, if you could go three and two on the road or two and three at worst, then I think you're okay, right? Yeah, and that's what they have to do. They have to tread water, right? They have to play about 500 when you're missing right. both your stars. I know I said they went four and one when both of the stars have been out, but you can't expect for that to continue, no. especially against good teams. So you're right, yeah. the Nets, there's not a hotter team. They're playing in Chicago tonight against the Bulls, and of course they'll be here. And I'll, I'll tell you what, they, they look intimidating. I mean, they are clicking Ooh. and firing on all cylinders. And you no, know, the Pelicans, I mean, maybe there's an outside chance Brandon Ingram comes back to that game, but you just don't feel too hopeful about that. But I will say on, the, on, on that five-game upcoming road trip, I think that Ingram will get back at some point, and that'll help a lot, right? Because the Pelicans mm-hmm. have been struggling on the road recently. Uh, they started off the year 2-0, and but since that time, it's, it's kind of just become difficult for them. And you're going to need a star. That's really what happens, right? Role players, they play well at home, but it's a lot tougher on the road, and that's where you really need your star. So hopefully B.I. can come back early on that road trip because otherwise you're right. Let's hope for two and three or something along those lines. Let's hope. And the two have got to be Washington, Detroit. I don't know how you – you're not going to beat Dallas. You're not going to beat Boston. And Cleveland's really good as well. So, man, if you can go two and three, then get back home a little bit, uh, then you go. you got 11 games in this three-week period – uh, before Zion's reevaluated, and hopefully Brandon Ingram will come back. But just like with C.J. McCullough missed time with uh, you know under the protocol, uh, it takes a while to get your sea legs back, and, and Ingram has missed nearly a quarter of the season. So to expect him to come back and to be an all-star caliber player, whoa, right? Slow your roll a little bit. Yeah, and thankfully they have this depth, because you just mentioned how tough it is to play in Dallas, and it is. I'll tell you what, the Pelicans, they knocked off that, that incredible win at home against Dallas yep. without either Brandon or, or Zion, yep. and that was with uh, Luka having one of those typical Luka games. So it can be done, but your IB is with B.I. And, yeah, that's the thing. When, when a player goes and misses any time, and we've seen that with B.I., it takes him a couple of games to get back, right, get back into the flow, find his rhythm, and he's a big-time rhythm player. So I'm hoping that's not the case this year because, let's face it, he's missed, what, I think 18 games now, Jordy. And I know yeah. he's working on the sidelines, but, you know, yeah, they're going to need Brandon to step right in, you know, that efficient 25 points a night uh, sooner rather than later. And at least CJ, he's been playing a lot better. Finally, he's passed all those early season slumps. So it's not like the Pelicans are without or are without weapons, right? But, yeah, it'd be easier if B.I.'s coming back in strong. Well, it gives these other players that put in the time and do all the hard work that don't get as many minutes, they're going to get extended minutes. And this is their opportunity, whether it be to impress this team or to impress another team as the trade deadline looms in February. So it's a chance for Jackson Hayes and uh, uh, and others to put their best foot forward. And that's what I, I think that's the, the course that the coaching staff takes. Look, we're down. Uh, here's your chance. Let's go. It is. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Because suddenly you're either going to play maybe 10 to 15 minutes. Um, if you 
because the Falcons need need your your body, of course, out there. But if you're not playing well, you'll probably only stick to those type of minutes. But if you're playing well, then you're going to see mid twenties or more. And I think that's what we've seen with Jackson, right? He, he's he's yeah. been fantastic in a couple of those wins, including that one against the Indiana Pacers. I mean, they wouldn't have won that game without him. So, fortunately, he's on a good stretch. You know, he's been a regular member of the rotation since right before Christmas. And I'll tell you what, he's not missing shots again. He's shooting close to 80% from the field. And I don't know if you saw it, Jordy, but he had a couple of nice blocks against Philly. He had another three in a previous game. So, he's giving you something on both ends. And, and like the rest of the Pels normally do, right, these reserves – I think they'll at least be in every game, right? Devontae's making his outside shot. You know, Jose right. Jose's going to pester somebody. Um, and Willie, Billy Hernan Gomez, I have to mention him. He, he's done pretty yeah. darn well against uh, Valanciunas. So you just need to have a giant collective effort, right? Without Zion, without Brandon, just to show you how bad the Rockets are, the Pels are still favored by seven and a half. Um, <laughs> I believe goodness it. Goodness <laughs> gracious. you got to be kidding me. No, I believe it. Like I said, I mean, the Pels, look, Jordy, they've seen their usual starting lineup together just 10 times this year. right? So they've overcome injuries. I've already said B.I., he's only played 15 games all season. And so to be, you know, at number one in the West or close to it like they are right now, says a lot about the rest of the guys. So that's why I think, you know, Las Vegas isn't wrong here at all. Because Houston, like I said, they've lost, what, nine of their last ten, and they're just the worst team in the West. Yeah. Ugh. My goodness gracious. If you um if you were in charge of like um the all NBA team right now, would uh, would Zion be first team all NBA in your book? I would have him on one of the teams, yeah. Because tell okay. me name me five or ten players that have not, you know, missed say a handful of games. Right? It seems like all of them have in my right. book. So you gotta fill out 15 roster spots on it, and I think Zion easily right deserves to be on. You've got to pick somebody from the Pelicans, and he's yeah. been the best player when he's been out there. And we've seen it, right? He's, he's completely dominated on both sides of the ball over the last, what, six, seven, maybe eight weeks. So, I don't know. When, he, when he's healthy, he's one of the best players in the league, and we've seen it multiple times this year. So, I would pick him right now, but let's say if this three weeks suddenly turns in a lot more, well, then, of course, you'd have to remove his name. Right. Right, right. Uh, what's going on in the NBA? Uh, Donovan Mitchell scores 71. Uh, Giannis comes up with 55. I, I think Luka had one of those uh, games. Um, mm-hmm. You got Nikola Jokic with a with a gaudy triple-double not long ago. I mean, what's going on? I'll tell you what. This, it truly is like video game-like numbers out there. Um, and I'll tell you what. <laughs> I feel bad for all those records that have lasted for, you know, not just decades, but generations. I think yeah. a lot of things are going to start falling if they haven't already. I mean, Clay Thompson the other night, you know, he, he's not even 100%. He scored 54 points in, in the That's Warriors' right. win. So, yeah. yeah, Donovan Mitchell going for 71, that really stood out to me, though. Players shouldn't be scoring that much when you consider how ball, ball movement is, is such a thing today, right? It's not just the 80s mm-hmm. style of basketball where the ball's going to be in your best player's hand and he's going to, you know, do something with it the majority of the time. It's not how play, teams play nowadays. So to see those gaudy numbers, it's really impressive. No doubt about it. Uh, Golden State's won five in a row without Steph Curry, so uh, they seem to be getting into yeah. into a rhythm. Uh, but nobody hotter than the Brooklyn Nets, who all of a sudden are twenty five and twelve and a half a game out of first place. Boston holding on by a thread. Um, it just seems like when those guys just play basketball, they're really, really good. And you know, winning cures everything, right? It, it, it just does. Um, 
the Ben Simmons situation, everything is flowing well now, but, but, you know, Durant and Irving, you put those two together and when they just play basketball, wow. Right. Wow. Yeah. I mean, Jordy, think about this back in July, I think their odds of winning a championship are really low. And that's of course when Durant was asking out for a trade, you had Kyrie, you know, doing his Kyrie things. It didn't even start up into this season, right? They just start so poorly. You thought they were going to implode, but it's been just the opposite. And I'm glad you mentioned Ben Simmons because you knew if Durant puts on a uniform, he's going to go do his thing. And when Kyrie isn't involved in, you know, the off the court stuff, and, and he's not dealing with COVID or any kind of restrictions, well, you, you can pretty much relax because he's still in his prime. That he's going to put up numbers, but Ben Simmons. I feel like he's been the one because he looked awful. I mean, I don't know if you can remember that opening game against the Pelicans, but he looked like he didn't want to play basketball. Well, now suddenly yeah. he, he's got the confidence, and even though he's not putting up those amazing numbers he was in Philly, you can see that he likes playing, and he's being very effective. And, of course, they got the rest of those guys. They're, they're good role players around them. I mean, they got shooters, Joe Harris, uh, Curry, um, and, and whoever else I'm missing, right, Patty Mills. So th- right. that's a good, talented right. roster when you've got those stars out there playing at their best. I don't remember a year where you've got five players averaging over 30 points a game. It's kind mm-hmm. of uh, it's kind of remarkable. Luca leading the way with 34. Joel Embiid, how good is he? Uh, Giannis, yeah. right after that. The, the surprise of all surprises, Shea Gilgris Alexander at Oklahoma City averaging 30.8. Mm-hmm. And Jason Tatum. Boy, this... This league is young, and it's got star power everywhere. It's amazing to me how players just – the league keeps getting better and evolving. It's just kind of remarkable. Yeah, I think the first five guys you mentioned, they're all under the age of 30. So yep. that should tell everybody that the league's in really good hands. Really, and You good. didn't even mention Zion or B.I. or, you know, any, yep. a lot of other names too. So. I love it, Jordy. I don't think the league's ever been deeper. I think we've discussed this multiple times because, you know, the writing's been on the wall about that, but some of these performances of late, I mean, whether it's the individual games or just you mentioned these, these players overall in the season, what they're doing, yeah, I, I, it, it's amazing to see. Basketball's never, NBA basketball's never been better. Hey, look, we don't talk about them because it's taken for granted. I don't, I, what, how old is LeBron now? 38, 39, Eight, whatever? Think, yep, 38. He, He's 38. He's averaging 29 points a game, playing 36 minutes a night. I think we just take him for granted. And it just how great he is and how sustained greatness he has shown without ever, ever a problem or a blip or a glitch. And he's always, you know, for the most part, has been always available. Right. And uh, of course, genetics are a big reason for that. But I hope people realize. Because it's been written about and talked about enough. He really religiously takes care of his body every offseason, and even during the season. Talks about yeah. sleeping well. So he deserves to be applauded for all that because he's put in the work, you know. So he deserves those accolades. But you're right. I can't remember the last time anybody even came close to those numbers that age. I mean, I know Jason Kidd, right, with Dallas was winning a championship when he was pushing 40, but he wasn't putting up numbers like that. No, no. It's amazing. Uh, Brandon Ingram hadn't played enough games to – to, to register in the in the scoring list. Uh, Zion right now, number 16 in the league, averaging 26 points a game. And he's the 16th highest scorer. How does, <laughs> how, what does that tell you? My goodness An gracious. Thought, right? <laughs> yeah, just amazing, amazing. All right, so um, 
Got to get this one tonight. We'll see. So the yep. lineup, it's going to be McCullum. It's going to be Herb Jones. It's going to be Trey Murphy. It's going to be Jonas Valanciunas. And who else is it going to be? You know, it could be Najee Marshall because he has yep. started with those other four you've mentioned. Yep. But I would want to see Jackson Hayes. I think since he's playing well, and we saw how well he did play last year in Zion's spot at the four, why not Burn go with him down. and bring Najee off the bench? Because you're going to yeah. need that punch off the bench with Nance still out. And Jose can't do it alone. Throw, throw, throw Hayes a, a bone. Let's see how he handles it. I'm with you. Ali Cassell at the Bird Rides. Let's get this one. And then Brooklyn comes to town with Kevin Durant averaging 29.6 and uh, Kyrie Irving 26.2. My higher mathematics tells me that's uh, about 55 points a game. Wow. Good luck with that. Um, thank you, my friend. Let's see if we can tread water till uh, our big guns get back. But thank you for your time. Absolutely, Jordy. Yeah, I'm not too worried about them, right? Everything's pointed to this is a great team, and they've overcome all sorts of adversity. So they'll be fine. They're not going to suddenly lose, you know, 10 games or something like yeah. that, like we've seen in the past. See, my even-keeled Ali Cassell. I wish I had your characteristics and traits because I'm ooh, up and down, <laughs> up and down, up and down. You're even Steven. I love it. Thank you, my friend. Absolutely, Jordy. Take care, buddy. All right, we'll take a quick timeout here. The Jordy Heltberg Show will continue after this timeout uh, on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. You're home for the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros, the World Series champion Houston Astros. Alexa and the game make a great team. Do yourself a favor and enable the Alexa skill, the game Southwest Louisiana, so you can keep it locked in to the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, wherever you go. I get Mardi Gras started the right way with a real fun run. Trail presents the Lundy Gras Barathon Monday, February 20th. It's four miles through Freetown, just south of the parade route. Wear a costume, enjoy free drinks throughout the course, served at a adult hydration station. A party bus is going to follow close behind, so hey, you can jump aboard at any time. Run all, run some, run none. The audience will vote for the winner of the costume contest, so bring your loudest, your craziest friends. It's the Lundy Gras Bar-a-thon. Free drinks, food, and prizes Registered now at latrail.org. Uh, Bob Marlin's Cajuns get back in action tomorrow when Southern Miss comes to town. Ooh, tough team. Uh, Cajuns are 0-2 in the league. Southern Miss, for the 7 o'clock tip at the Cajun Dome, comes in 13-2 overall, 2-0 in the league. Um, not only can they score, uh, they've got a pair of transfers. Austin Crowley from Ole Miss. Felipe Haas from Mercer that combined to average uh, about 33 points a game. Uh, they're really good, but the most um, telltale sign, Southern Miss enters the week leading the Sun Belt in field goal percentage defense. The Cajuns dead last in the 14th spot. So they got to get better. Uh, nothing like home sweet home. They opened up on the road and played two tough places, um, Old Dominion being one of them. So uh, they'll get back home, and it's a very important win. You don't want to start off your conference 0-3. So we'll see what happens. So good luck to the Cajuns tomorrow. Today a very important practice. 
Um, and we wish Bob Marlin's group uh, the very, very best as they get ready for the Golden Eagles of Southern Miss. Not only an improvement in the league from a football perspective, basketball's really good, and you know their baseball team is good as well. So um, very, very good. Very good. So we'll we'll keep you abreast of that one and have a preview of the ball game for you uh, tomorrow. Coming up, our number two of this foray, uh, Mike Huguenin on 3.com will join us with the very latest um, as the we're down to two in the college football world, Georgia and TCU. Boy, if you had picked those, if you had bet on those two teams playing for the national championship before the season started, whoo, you got a good vacation to Tahiti waiting for you. Nobody, nobody in their right mind could have possibly predicted that. But they're there, and uh, we shall see. So we'll talk football with Mike Huguenin. Our number one's in the books. Our number two straight ahead, the Jordy Helpert Show on the game. Stay with us. Live and local, this is the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Open for the end zone. It's a Saints touchdown. It's time for two hours of the best sports talk on the airwaves. Here's your host, the Blonde Bomber, Jordy Holtberg. Hour number two of two, and away we go. What a chamber of commerce day it is today. That that orb is back up in the sky. Where has it been? It's been forever, but it's a beautiful day. Hope you're enjoying it. On this Wednesday, January 4th, the year 2023, be honest, do a little soul searching now. How many have stuck with their New Year's resolution? We're only four days in. Hang in there. Keep it going. Habit, habit, day after day after day. You can do it. Yes, you can. Uh, we got one game left in college football. Georgia Bulldogs and the TCU Horn Frogs um, from SoFi Stadium in Inglewood, California. Can you believe that uh, for a national championship game that uh, Georgia, as of late yesterday, is a 13-point favorite? What? 13? Holy cow. Speaking of holy cow, when's the last time LSU and Tulane have both been in the final AP Top 25 poll, and even more so than that, the last time Tulane was ranked higher than LSU. Well, that's going to happen. We're still reveling in the weekend that was with the big blowout win by LSU, the incredibly dramatic greatest win in program history for the Tulane Green Wave, all superseded by the Saints winning um, in Philadelphia, of all places, and then being eliminated from the playoffs. Anyway, uh, we've got college football to talk about with my good friend, Long-time guest, Mike Huguenin from On3.com, coming up here uh, shortly. No such thing as a moral victory. I know it's the cliche, but, man, LSU basketball was really good last night. They really gave Kentucky all they wanted and then some, falling just short at Rupp Arena, where many a great LSU team has gone and folded. Uh, at LSU hung on to, win seven, uh, to lose 74 71 they had an opportunity with about 3.9 seconds to go late uh they got a shot off in the corner but it was just too little too late 
Uh, but I learned a lot about this club, man. They fought hard. They got some good players. And let me tell you, uh, Matt McMahon falls right in line with Brian Kelly, Kim Mulkey, Jay Johnson. Hey, Scott Woodward, nice job. You got a heck of a basketball coach. He is really, really, really good. Uh, he gets players. Now, if he can recruit and LSU comes up with that NIL money, uh, those deals, then then they'll be fine. Cause that that dude can flat out coach a basketball game. Love seeing how how he works the team and how they how they execute on the on both ends of the court. It's really 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 good. So uh, tough loss. Uh, look, I'll never forget my <laughs> freshman year. We're starting three. Nobody wants to hear about back in the day, but I'm just telling you, um, you measure LSU basketball by how you do against Kentucky. And my freshman year, first time, we, we started three freshmen on the team, and we went into Rupp Arena, and they blew the doors off. I think they beat us by 30, 32 points. Never been beaten that badly in my life. None of us had. And uh, we went in that locker room and said, this will never, ever, ever happen again. And uh, we owned Kentucky after that. We did. So, uh LSU basketball in the right direction. They're one up, one down. Uh, they have to go on the road. They take on Texas A&M. LSU, one of the bigger surprises in the conference. A&M, one of the bigger disappointments in the conference. Speaking of Texas A&M, uh, it appears that Jimbo Fisher tried to get some of the, the wolves off of his back, believe it or not, is going to hire Bobby Petrino. Yes, that dude, Bobby Petrino, as his offensive coordinator. Desperate times call for desperate measures. Now, look, I'm I, I'm all for second chances and all that kind of stuff, but man, Bobby Petrino got left the Atlanta Falcons high and dry. Didn't even say goodbye to the players and left in the in the dark of night to get back into college coaching. And then had his incident on the motorcycle. He's had some. He's had a trouble pass. There's no doubting his his acumen as a coach. Uh, so we'll see what happens. But uh, A&M finalizing a deal to hire Bobby Petrino as the offensive coordinator. Desperate times call for desperate measures. Um, good news coming out of uh, Cincinnati as Buffalo Bills safety DeMar Hamlin remains hospitalized in cr critical condition, but has shown, quote, signs of improvement uh, from observations Tuesday and overnight into Wednesday, according to the team. The Bills said today in a statement that Hamlin is expected to remain under intensive care as his health care team continues to monitor and treat him. I always, look, I, I, I want nothing but that, but I hope this young man, I'm not even worried about thinking about him coming back playing football. If that, if that happens, golly sakes alive, how fortunate for him. The main thing is, is he going to be healthy and not have any repercussions from this hospitalization? But I always look at the glass half full. And this situation and the incredible job that those responders, the doctors, the trainers, the, um, the ambulances, and all, all those people, those responders that that took charge and how calm, cool, and collected they were under the most adverse of situations. I can't even fathom it. This is a direct message to every 
pro team, college team, high school situation. Boy, get your ducks in a row. Go over these safety measures. Have everything organized so heaven forbid if something like this would ever occur where you are, to your team, who knows? It could happen anywhere, in any sport, every school. Get your ducks in a row. Get organized. Be ready. Practice, practice, and practice some more just in case, just in case this type of incident could occur. It happens very rarely of this extreme. It happened back in Detroit years and years and years ago in the 50s. But it can happen at any time, in any sport, on any level. So get your ducks in a row. Get your group organized. Have a meeting. Let's get everything organized. It's like by the notebook. Boom, here's step one, two, three, four, five. And be organized and be ready just because that quick response saved DeMar Hamlin's life. Life. Whew. Remarkable. God bless him. And hope for continued improvement. Uh, I don't know what the NFL is going to I can't imagine them. They're not going to resume the game. I can't imagine them. They can't make up the game. They're going to play week 18 this weekend. The playoffs will be seated. They'll go by percentages. You know, both both Buffalo and Cincinnati will have one less game than everybody else, but they'll go by their winning percentage. And that's just life. That's it. It's it's going to hurt some team maybe, but hey, that's life. That's what you got to do. I don't know how these teams uh, bounce back and play right away, but again, these are professionals. They have been trained their entire life, their entire life. What does every coach always say? Well, whenever there's an injury, next man up, next man up, next man up. Uh, this is a whole different ball game, uh, but next man up the way it's got to be the way it's got to be um yeah the pels uh get back in action tonight no zion williamson hamstring strain he's out three weeks Sheesh. every year right every year something not that the kid does it on purpose but every year it's something no brandon ingram so that's about 55 60 56 points poop out the window <laughs> okay so Again, next man up in a different scenario completely. Somebody has the opportunity to step up and do something. They take on the Houston Rockets, who are flat-out pitiful. Pitiful. They've lost nine of their last ten. They're going for the, the number one ping-pong ball in the NBA lottery. They're trying to get the big seven-foot-four Frenchman, Victor Wembayaya, is, uh, who turns 19 today. I'd like to be him. The world is your oyster. He's, he's going to be a gazillionaire playing hoops. And, boy, is he good. Holy cow, is he good. Anyway, uh, the Pels got to get this one because coming in Friday, Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, Ben Simmons, and uh, the Brooklyn Nets who've won 12 in a row. God, are they good. When they just play basketball, there's nobody better. Everybody in the league's hoping that there's some kind of conflict or something, something comes up that takes their mind off of hoops. But when they're focused on hoops alone – Ooh, woo. Do they have some talent? My goodness gracious. 
All right. Those are some of your headlines of uh, the day. Uh, we'll take our first time out in this hour. When we come back, my main man, Mike Huguenin. Hump Day with Huguenin on 3.com. We'll talk about those bowl games. We'll talk about the national championship game and everything in between. This is the Jordy Hulpert Show. Wherever you are, however you are listening, we greatly appreciate it. We're on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. You're home for the LSU Tigers and the World Series champion, Houston Astros. We'll be right back. Uh-oh. Do you know what day it is? Huh? Anybody? It's time for Jordy to break down the biggest storylines in college athletics with Mike Huguenin of On3.com. Mike, 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 Mike. What day is it, Mike? Here is Hump Day with Huguenin. On the game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. What's up, my main man, Michael Hugan, and Happy New Year, buddy. How's it going? Uh, Happy New Year to you as well, and it's going uh, it's going pretty good, even though we only have one college football game remaining this year. <laughs> Boy, some of these bowl games, um, I'm telling you, does it get any better than um, than Tulane USC? How good was that? That was good, and the, the semifinals on Saturday oh. were extremely oh. memorable. Um, two phenomenal games decided in the last minute. You really can't ask for much more than that. And you're right, Tulane finishes off its resurrection from a 210 team uh, to a 12-2 team. Um, Ty J. Spears, you know, every time you watch that guy, you're asking yourself, you know, nothing against Tulane, but why isn't this guy playing at a much bigger school? Because he could play anywhere. Uh, Michael Pratt did not complete that many passes, but he hit some big ones. Uh, and the Tulane defense, though it was picked apart, also made some key plays at key times, uh, none bigger than the safety by Patrick Jenkins, who was a TCU transfer. So yes. he's got to be feeling pretty darn good these days. How big is that number? How big does that zero look on his Yeah, exactly. When, when you got big linemen wearing single-digit numbers, it makes them look about – 10 pounds heavier than they really are and about, I don't know, an inch or two even taller than they are. But, um, yeah, I I don't think anybody thought the Tulane defense was going to be able to hold up, and it didn't. But the Tulane offense, um, the fact that they ran all over USC was extremely impressive. Both teams kind of lived up true to form. We expected a high-scoring game. We got it, but the drama was remarkable. There was no drama at the Citrus Bowl. that was like varsity versus junior varsity, LSU and Purdue. Yeah, Purdue, you know, I, I have to admit I watched maybe two minutes of that game. Um, you know, Purdue's missing its coach, uh, yep. its quarterback, quarterback, its wide receiver, a running back, its best corner, a couple other guys in the front seven. And, yeah, I mean, I think they, they played hard for a while and then realized let's just get this game over with. And that's yeah. – you know, and, and then for you know LSU took it obviously a little bit more seriously, um, yeah. as you would expect a team that you know their coach is coming back, so you want to impress Kelly and his staff. But and and some young guys did some nice things. You know, when it was thirty-five zip at the half, I was kind of hoping, hey, look, can we both talk as head coaches? Can we get a running clock in the second running half? Running clock, and, and that's you know that's what they do in up. high school, even high school yeah. playoff games. 
And I'm sure Brian Brom, who's, you know, out the door because he's going to join his brother, would have said, sure, let's do that. Yeah. In fact, let's play eight-minute quarters with a running <laughs> clock so we can get out of here fast. So the weather that day was uh, extremely good. So I'm sure the fans yeah. that showed up uh, at least spent some time in the sun. At least some of the coaches got a little suntan. You know, in high school basketball now, with my daughter plays, um, if you're up by 30 points at any time in the game, like you're up 30 points early in the second, they run run the clock the rest of the game. It's, like, it's beautiful. Which is, which is fine, I think, because I don't think it's beautiful. I, I don't think I've ever seen a high school team. Generally, when a high school team falls behind by 30, there's a reason. Um, yeah. So, you know, I don't think they're coming back. But, Let's yeah, I mean, there were a couple bowls. I think Florida would have been happy with a running clock, <laughs> frankly, from the beginning of its bowl Ooh. game against Oregon State and yeah. certainly Purdue starting, you know, midway through the second quarter. What, what yeah, are they we, thinking? We, let's, just, let's just go home right now. What are the Florida Gator fans thinking now about um, uh, their coach who came from UL Lafayette and the season they had and the showing they had in their bowl? What do you think is going through their mind? Everybody was surprised by the bowl game. Um, you know, they, they didn't, again, that's, you know, team without its quarterback. Um, yeah. Jack Miller, who started a quarterback, had not taken a snap all season. You know, forget handing off or throwing a pass. That was the first game he had played in. Yeah. Um, they, they were missing their best offensive lineman, Osiris Torrance, another ULL transfer. Right. Um, right. Their best linebacker, Ventrell Miller, didn't play. Um, their leading receiver, Justin Shorter, didn't play. Um, but, again, I think Florida was a team that really, frankly, didn't care about being there. The, the, the first year for Napier was, was you know, the, they, they beat Utah in the opener, and I think that raised expectations, and obviously right. they did not come close to uh, meeting those expectations. They did take – you know, they threw into the end zone on the final play, had a chance to beat Tennessee, cut Georgia's lead to six points in the third quarter. Um, the LSU game was winnable for Florida. The Florida mm-hmm. State game was eminently winnable for Florida. Mm-hmm. Again, they were yep. thrown. They had the ball in the last play of the game and, and threw a hail mary. So, um, the, the recruiting class, what they brought in was was quite good. <laughs> the best recruiting class in Florida in a long time. They have not been as active as expected in the portal. Um, mm-hmm. And if Graham Mertz is their quarterback next season. Um, this is a six, six, seven, five kind of team again. And everything's so dependent upon your quarterback. LSU has their quarterback coming back, and the irony of everything: um, Florida State and LSU opened up the season a year ago, a, a game that LSU should have won, but they didn't. So give Florida State credit. I didn't realize there were two cheese it bowls, but there were. Pope played in the same stadium, um, and Florida State beats Oklahoma in the cheese it bowl. And then LSU a couple of days later beats Purdue in the Cheese It Citrus Bowl, Citrus and then they'll Bowl. all be yeah, back exactly. in the World Camping Bowl Center uh, to start the season next year. Uh, Florida State and LSU. Yeah, and, um, and who's going to be favored in that game? Was, well, I think both teams were surprisingly good. The idea that LSU won the SEC West to me is still stunning because that was a team with a lot of holes, but it was a well-coached team with a lot of holes. Um, Florida State obviously getting Jordan Travis back. That's gigantic. And, and, you know, Norvell's recruiting classes out of high school have not been all that good, especially for a school located in a state like Florida, which is flush with talent. But Norvell has done a phenomenal job in the transfer portal. 
Uh-huh. Um, they got seven commitments out of the portal right now. Six of those are going to start, I think. Uh, and all six are pretty darn good players. So um, that that's going to be a, you know, I, I'm not sure this year's matchup between FSU and LSU was eagerly anticipated other than by the fans of those two programs. Right. Next season, though, 2023, yeah. That's going to be one of the top ten non-conference games of the year easily because I wouldn't be surprised if both are in the preseason top 12. So that's going to be a big-time matchup uh, with, with teams expecting their quarterbacks to put up big numbers all season. Mike Huguenin on 3.com. Um, Bobby Petrino joining yeah. Texas A&M as the offensive coordinator. Your first thoughts were? Yeah, you know, that that was a hot rumor about three weeks ago. And then you're like, that's interesting. And I think we maybe even talked about it. You know, that's two huge egos in one offensive meeting room. And then, boom, Petrino goes to UNLV or he's going to work for Barry Odom. And you're like, man, that's weird. Why would you take mm-hmm. UNLV if, if A&M really wanted you? And it, the, the reaction from me then was, well, it's obvious A&M didn't want him. Uh, well, and then today I was talking to a friend of mine who covers A&M, and he said, this blindsided me, man, so because yeah. he, like me, thought, okay, all that was over with. But um, it's obvious that A&M needs to be brought into the 22nd century with its <laughs> offense. Um, and Petrino has, a obviously, a very good offensive mind. But also, let's remember that he's been coaching in F- the FCS ranks. Um, and, and how is he going to handle seeing Power 5 defenses again? in a league like the SEC, in a tough division. So um, that's going to be, you know, in a lot of respects, Fisher is turning to Petrino to save his job. And that's just, I mean, that's just... That's just weird. If you're counting on Bobby Petrino to save your job, Bobby Petrino, who never has been known as, you know, he's always looking for something else. He quit the Falcons. He got fired at Arkansas. He always was Jones in front of that job when he was coaching Louisville. So there's a lot of interesting pieces in play here, a very interesting puzzle. And obviously A&M needs Petrino to come through because if he doesn't, I don't think A&M is going to want to put up uh, paying eight and a half million bucks to a guy goes seven and five or even eight and four. So a ton of pressure on that offensive coaching staff. A lot of pressure. No, Bobby Petrino is to football what Larry Brown was to basketball. Always yes. looking for a new deal. Always yes, moving. He's, he's like the Marco um, Polo. Always looking, sports. like you said, he's Jones, the wonderless thing. I I like it yeah. here, but uh, the grass for Petrino, the grass is always green or somewhere else. <laughs> yes, and yes. You can, I could be cheap and say that. Obviously, the way he thought in his personal life as well, but I'm not going to say that. Mike Huguenin with us. The Miami Hurricanes stunk last year, but they're they're all in trying to bring football back. They're, they unveiled a plan to build a $100 million football ops center, uh, plus a bridge that will connect the new building to its current practice facility. Um, that, that adds more pressure to Mario Cristobal. We do, we're giving everything you want. Uh, now just win. Yeah, and Miami's facilities, as a guy who grew up down there, I grew up in Miami uh, a long time ago when, heck, they used to play Friday night games at the Orange Bowl in an attempt to get fans. It didn't work. Mm-hmm. Um, their facilities, they don't have an on-campus stadium. Their facilities are, are 
have been woeful for a long time. As recently as five years ago, they didn't have an indoor practice facility. And yeah. it rains a lot in Florida, yeah. <laughs> especially in the summer. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, it's interesting. So, um, but Miami all of a sudden has decided, okay, we're going to legitimately join the arms race. Um, they've been very aggressive at NIL thanks to one deep-pocketed alum. Um, and they had a really good recruiting class, a bunch of you know, national top 200 guys, but not much in the middle, and then a bunch of guys, three stars, you know, ranked in the national 800 and 900s. So it's in, they were active in the portal last year, haven't been all that active yet. We'll, let's see what happens. But, yeah, you're right. I mean, in, in the Miami fan base, the, the fan support there is a mile wide but about an inch deep. So um, once you lose one game, Miami fans aren't interested. And when you lose four or five, they turn on you and get nasty. So it's, there is a ton of pressure on Cristobal going into 2023. Still wonder if there's going to be some coaching changes because this year was such an abject disaster. I mean, there, there was, yes, it was a bad team. Um, and I, don't, I think they underachieved relative to their talent level anyway. Whereas Florida, it was a bad team, but I'll be honest, I'm not sure they could have done much better with what they have. I think mm-hmm. Miami being in the ACC should have been a, at least a bowl team, no and they question. weren't, obviously. So Crystal Ball, you're right. The more money they spend, the pressure is ratcheted up on that guy, no question. I love Dan Radakovich, their athletic director. He was an assistant AD at LSU, then he went to Clemson. Radakovich, you know, when you travel with the football team, there's like four or five buses and they have, you know, offensive team on one bus, defensive team on another bus, uh, trainers and all that on a third. Then the fourth bus is like some uh, donors and and radio people, stuff like that. And Radakovich, after every game, I loved him. He'd have a big ice chest on that bus and there were some cold beer, nothing like a cold beer after a ball game. He was great. He did a nice job at Clemson. And, you know, he, he went to Miami for his graduate degree. Um, and yeah, he's going to retire at Miami. And if nothing else, his legacy is going to be, I'm the guy who, when Miami finally decided to join the true big leagues, I'm mm-hmm. the guy who sort of marshaled the troops yep. and we got this done. Um, yep. He is known as a good fundraiser. And as a yep. solid guy in terms of coaching and all that kind of stuff, you know, in basketball, he's got one of the best coaches in the country. Jim Laranega is awesome. He's really good. Um, but Jim Laranega is a lot different than Mario Cristobal, too, because no one cares about basketball in Miami. Right. Everything is about football and baseball. So yep. um, Laranega's got a really good team again, um, but all the focus at Miami is on football. So. Um, you know, Radikovich and Cristobal have to get the football program turned around. But again, if nothing else, Radikovich is going to leave Miami in a much better place in terms of facilities and infrastructure than it was when he got there. All right, we'll take a time out here. When we come back with Mike Huguenin, it's time to get down to the brass tacks of the matter. One game left. If How many people... <laughs> had bet on Georgia versus TCU before the season started to play for a national championship game. Zero. But here they are. We'll get Mike's um, lay of the land, so to speak, when we return here to the Jordy Helper Show on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. Stay with us. 
Jordy Holtenberg is known far and wide as the Blonde Bomber for the perfectly feathered golden mane he rocked back in the day at LSU. The hair may not be as golden or as long, but Jordy is still making a name for himself. Back to more of the Jordy Holtberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. And we are back, Mike Hugan and On3.com, as we now shift our focus toward the national championship game uh, coming up this Monday in Los Angeles. Uh, Mike, TCU, what a story TCU is. Um, You know, Michigan scored 39 points in the second half. And still lost. TCU's offense just ripped and run. They came up with two pick sixes. Uh, what was your general observations of that one semifinal? Yeah, the fact that TCU was vastly more physical than they were given credit for. Um, you know, Michigan broke that long run on the first play of the game. I think it was a 56 mm-hmm. yarder by Donovan Edwards. They yep. ran for 132 the rest of the way. Um, and the flip side, um, you know, in retrospect, I'm watching the game, and I'm looking at it, and then I look at the start, the size of the, of the TCU starting offensive linemen. These dudes are gigantic. The smallest yep. is 301 pounds. They got two dudes over 330. I mean, this is a big physical offensive line that mashed, mashed Michigan. And the, that, the backup running back, um, DeMarcado kid had a 69-yard TD run, or 69-yard. I'm not sure he scored, but I think I think he scored on it. Only three teams this season ran for more in a game than that kid gained on one carry. So, I mean, this was a good run defense, and TCU shredded it. Um, mm-hmm. They they were not intimidated by Michigan's size, uh, and again, I mean, Max Duggan played fair, and they uh-huh. still won. Yep. And if I'm TCU's coaches and TCU players, and I'm watching game film of Ohio State against Georgia and seeing how absolutely wide open the Ohio State receivers were, I'm thinking, Quinton Johnston, you're going to have a 200-yard game, son. Mm-hmm. Um, that, you know, that, that Georgia secondary looked a lot like the Georgia secondary last year in the SEC championship game where, where Alabama threw all over them. So, um, you know, the, the line is 14. That seems exceedingly Why? high to Why? me. Um, Why is TCU that? TCU is a yard away from being 14-0. and 0. So, you know, Why the, do they, you think? the Kansas State game. So I think TCU, they definitely got a puncher's chance. Why do you think the spread is so big? I think it's still a case of it's almighty Georgia against little TCU. But, and, and TCU is a phenomenal story. Five and seven last year, and they fired the coach. Um, the winningest coach in school history, Gary Patterson, has a statue outside the stadium. So mm-hmm. I think, you know, his program grew exceedingly stale. Uh, and then Sonny Dykes comes in chooses Chandler Morris as his starting quarterback. Morris goes down in the first half of the first game, and Max Duggan comes in, and everybody's like, great, Max Duggan, who was barely adequate under Gary Patterson, and then 
boom, he blossoms into a superstar college quarterback, finishes second in the Heisman race. And you talked to we, – we we've done a couple stories on TCU this year. I work with Ivan Mazel, and Ivan went down there. Um, the team is just playing so loose. Um, Patterson was a screamer and yeller. Sonny Dykes is not. Sonny mm-hmm. Dykes looks – you know, you look at him on the sideline, you're like, this dude, I want to go have a beer with him. And yeah. his that kind of attitude, I think, has permeated the team. Garrett Riley, Lincoln's little brother, is a great play caller. Joe Gillespie came from Tulsa, brought his three-three-five defense with him. The difference is T- TCU's got some linebackers who can run, and they can also hit you. Um, and their defensive front, they go, they they rotate seven guys on their defense. The the, the, the defensive end who had three sacks on Saturday, a, a kid named Dylan Horton. He's a New Mexico transfer who ran high school track and was a high jumper and long jumper. He was a 6'4", 200-pound safety in high school. Now he's a 6'4", 280-pound defensive end. So he's athletic. I mean, it's a, it's a really good team, and I think people sort of got caught up in all the cuteness around TCU. Oh, the team that falls behind and never panics. And that's the positive, but they got some players there, man. I mean, Quinton Johnston, Kendra Miller, DeMarcado is a pretty darn good backup running back. And the thing about him, his house, he, we did a story on him the other day, he can walk from his house to SoFi Stadium. I mean, how cool is that? Your last game in college is going to be a block from your house. So that's that's a pretty cool thing as well. I, I love the TC story. I love their quarterback. I love their tackling uh, yeah, they, machine. They, D winners. Yes, they, they knocked the snot please. at you, and so does Georgia. And, but He's I mean, a, Georgia. You know, I don't think no one's surprised that Georgia's here. Um, though I will say the fact that, that a a Michigan defense that stifled Ohio State then got run all over by TCU, shut down Ohio State. Ohio State's offense had zero problems with Georgia's defense, and that's interesting to me as well. Jim Harbaugh needs to change his bowl approach. Has he ever won a bowl game? No, he hasn't won a bowl game, and I think the idea – you know, not scoring after that big long run. You're bigger than TCU. Yep. Um, why did you? Why did they try the Philly special on the goal line? Right. Just run the ball up the gut. And right. if they stop you, make them go 99 yards. I and mean, they probably could have. But I thought I thought that set a bad tone. Um, and and you know, what's the unfortunate thing about Michigan is, and you know, unfortunately they played in the semifinal, but they're going to be remembered for the, the defense that supposedly was so great got shredded. Well, their offense did some really nice things. Um, the McCarthy kid is a gritty like quarterback. Uh, and for a team that really lacks stud wide receivers, their wide receivers played extremely well on Saturday yeah. against TCU. And that's the thing, if you're, if you're TCU, you're worried about our defense did not hold up against Michigan, and Georgia's, is be- Georgia's offense is better. So, but the Georgia defensive breakdowns, I think gives TCU some hope, especially they can hit some big plays. Because Quentin Johnston, that kid is really good. Yeah, he has Mike Hugan and On3.com. Um, what impressed you about the Georgia win over Ohio State? I mean, they had they had a field goal attempt to try and win it. That thing was so off. I mean, my, I feel for that 
that kicker yeah, Ruggles, for, he filled back for Ohio for State he had, he Ruggles. Two really good, he transferred from North Carolina, had two really good seasons, but that last kick, it looked like he had wanted no business being out there to kick it. Um, Georgia rallied, uh, and, and that's impressive, um, because that's a Georgia team that really was not tested all that often during the regular season. They were tested by Missouri. Um, Florida tested him for about two quarters. But for the most part, Georgia cruised through this season, uh, and they fell behind a offensive juggernaut and rallied. Um, again, the, 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 what surprised me, though, the, def, the, the, the secondary looked, they looked inept. Seriously. Ohio State had guys that were so wide open, I could have thrown to them. And I'm a 60-year-old man. So um, it's – and some of that stuff will get tightened down. I get it. And, you know, Brock Bowers, they really didn't use him all that much. I don't know if that was the, the Ohio State defense or the play calling. But, I mean, Georgia did a lot of things they wanted offensively. And, and um, Mr. Bennett was exceedingly good in the fourth quarter when he had to be. Um, but, I, yeah, the 14 points seems a lot to me. Um, to me, if TCU was going to be intimidated by the circumstances, that would have happened in the semifinal. Um, yeah. I think that they'll be fine in the, in the title game. They have to have a lot of confidence offensively that, that they beat Michigan in the manner in which they did, even though Max Duggan was not tremendous. Again, he was adequate, and they still won. Um, and if Kendra Miller is healthy, that's obviously big. Um, yeah. But, I mean, then again, you look at Ohio State. The tight, the tight end who had 35 catches missed the entire second half. They mm-hmm. played most of the game with a wide receiver at running back, and they played the last quarter without the best receiver in the country, Marvin Harrison, because of a very iffy hit by Georgia. So I thought Ohio State acquitted itself well. Yeah. Um, the Ohio State defense let it down. Um, but the, the semifinals are great, and I think the final is going to be entertaining and close. I'm with you. So many of these teams that year in and year out, when the preseason rankings come out, they're always there, but Alabama loses its quarterback. Ohio State loses its quarterback. Um, Clemson. Uh, all these teams. Who's, who's your preseason number one? That's a, that's a great question. I, I was actually thinking about that the other day. I'm not sure. Um, and I think the thought was, Okay, Ohio State and Georgia specifically, they're not going to want to count on guys on the run. They're going to go out and find a transfer portal quarterback. And then you look at the guys who've gone into the transfer portal and you're like scratching your head going, Sam Hartman, Devin Leary, Brennan Armstrong, those are the best guys in the portal. So, uh, you know, maybe more guys go in. Um, and, and, you know, but uh, uh, Caleb Williams ain't walking through that door for Ohio State or Georgia, I don't think, or anything, anything right. like him. So those are still extremely talented teams at Alabama, Ohio State, and Georgia, even though they do need quarterbacks. Um, I think, though, that those three teams in, in Michigan will all be preseason top five. How high is USC going to be? And which – which Big 12 team is going to be overrated in the preseason poll? Maybe it's going to be Texas. You know, another team that nobody's talking about, Washington. Yeah. Quarterback is back. Michael Penix leads the nation in passing. All those receivers are coming back. They're going to have better running backs next year than they did this season. Um, The defense made strides this year. They're going to get another – portal or 
defender or two out of there. Um, that's a team I think that should be preseason top ten. I think they were underrated most of the season, and then you saw what they could do in the bowl game. And again, Michael Penix, what a phenomenal story! Each of his years at Indiana ends early because of an injury. He's fully healthy all season long, and the kid goes wild, leaves the nation in passing. And I think Washington's going to be really good next year again. I, I think LSU's going to be ranked really high. I think I LSU have... is another team because they are they are the defending SEC West champs. Um, they're getting their quarterback back. They're A lot two of freshman back. offensive tackles who had you know had some rough patches, as you would expect from true freshmen. Boom, mm-hmm. they're back as sophomores. Um, Mason Smith will return on defense. Um, yep. The secondary should be pretty good. I still think they need some help at linebacker, but I, yep. you know, and who's the number? Who's the go-to receiver going to be? Uh, but I think LSU is another team um, that's going to get a lot of preseason love. Florida State's going to get a lot of preseason yep. love. I'm yep. interested in seeing what the voters think of Texas A&M. My presumption is. Not much because they've been burned two seasons in a row. And then there's Clemson, which is going to have a lot of defensive talent. But and Klubnik looks like a guy you can build around a quarterback. But, goodness, their receivers were not good this year. And I don't know how much better they're going to be next year. Mike Hugan and On3.com. All right, Georgia looking to become the first program in a decade to win back-to-back national titles. They square off against TCU Monday night, SoFi Stadium, Inglewood, California. It's a 6.30 kickoff. How do you see the game going? Yeah, yeah, I think Georgia wins. Um, and, you know, I live in a state, in an SEC state. Obviously, you're in an SEC state. But if I'm an LSU fan, or especially if I'm a Florida fan, I'm a gigantic TCU supporter on yeah. Monday. I don't think any team in the SEC wants Georgia to win two in a row. Um, I, I think tennis. I think TCU can keep this interesting and entertaining into the fourth quarter. But I think Georgia's defense is going to get a couple stops, uh, and I think they're going to get more stops in the TCU defense. Now, maybe Stetson Bennett throws two pick sixes like JJ McCarthy, um, and you know Bennett threw a horrendous pass in the first half against Ohio State. Um, and maybe the three-three-five defense will cause some issues for Georgia because mm-hmm. you don't see that defense. You really don't you know, all that yeah. often. But I still think Georgia wins. Nebraska ninety-four, ninety-five. USC oh-three-oh-four. Alabama eleven and twelve. The last three teams to win back-to-back titles. We shall see. Come. Monday night. All right, Mike Hugan. Man, my LSU Tigers gave Kentucky all they wanted last night. That was a good basketball game. Yeah, the the basketball season is really interesting. And the Big 12, goodness gracious, what a phenomenal basketball league. Yep. Uh, SEC is yep. really good at the top, but good, goodness, there's some bad teams at the bottom. Some bad teams, that's right. Bad teams at it, the bottom. I think LSU's pretty good. I really do. Yeah, yeah. Um, we'll, we'll see. It's still early, but uh, next week we'll recap the national championship game, and we'll dive deep in to college shoots. Mike Hugan, you are the best. Thank you so much. Um, enjoy the national championship oh, game, yeah. my friend. Talk to you next week. Thank you, sir. You got it. You got it. Mike Hugan. Tune in next week to the Jordy Holberg Show for Hump Day with Hugan here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. 
Here's three pieces of advice to live by. Never play cards with a guy whose last name is a state. Don't spit into the wind. And always listen to the Jordy Holmberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. And we welcome you back as we put the finishing touches on today's program. Um, Did you know, uh, now that you've scored an Amazon Alexa or Google Home Smart Speaker for Christmas, you can now use it to listen to the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Just ask your Alexa or Google Home to play the game. Southwest Louisiana. It's that easy. Do the smart thing. Have the game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles with you at your office, at your home, heck, everywhere you go. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. Um, special thanks to all of our guests today. Ali Cassell, it's the it's the Pelicans against the beleaguered Houston Rockets. No Zion, no Ingram, no Nance. So we'll we'll see what happens there. Um, and Mike Huguenin from on3.com. He likes the Georgia Bulldogs to win back-to-back national championships. I'm telling you, I am pulling for TCU. I love their story. I love their scenario. I love everything about them. I love their quarterback, their coach. Man, I'm hoping the horn for – I like their symbol, you know, with the, the three fingers and a claw. Uh, I like that. I like that a lot. Um so I'm hoping the Horned Frogs do it, but we shall see. We shall see. Um, really good good performance by LSU Hoops, albeit in a loss, but uh, they went on the road and really accounted of themselves very well. I think the whole league now knows that uh, LSU is here and they're a good team and they're going to be a tough out because they play hard, they play together, and they got some talent. They got some talent. Those kids coming over from Murray State, they ain't play anywhere for anybody. So um, Matt McMahon, well, well done. Tomorrow, Thursday, will uh, the Schwab will join us, and we will uh, get Week 18 picks. We'll get his thoughts on Buffalo, Cincinnati, the league, um, the scenario, we'll, and we'll we'll pick some some games. Some of which are meaningless. Some of which. Jacksonville, Tennessee mean everything. Uh, Green Bay, Detroit means everything to Green Bay. Uh, Saints, Carolina, eh, who who wants to be there? Well, usually the team that's at home usually will be the team in a game that that means absolutely nothing to either one of them. Uh, Usually the team at home plays better and should win it. So we'll we'll get the Schwab's thoughts on on all of that. Uh, We'll recap the Pelicans game against uh, Houston. More about the national championship game. We'll preview the Raging Cajuns versus Southern Miss in hoops. Bob Marlins Club um, needs a win. Southern Miss coming in 2-0. Cajuns 0-2 in uh, Sunbelt Conference hoops. So they need a win in the best of ways. So that's just some of our thoughts for tomorrow. I really do appreciate you joining us today, wherever or however you did it, whether it be the radio, the internet, television, we're just uh, thankful that you did. Uh, James Mesh, thank you for all you do. Uh, thanks to our partners that make it possible each 20 and every seconds. day. Really appreciate it. So until tomorrow, I'm Jordy Helper. Stay thirsty, my friends. Do everything you can to stay healthy. Let's be kind to one another. 
and be happy. So long, everybody.